Open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 20. I am not preaching today. Tom Sargent is. Tom's one of our elders. Always good to hear from Tom. Uh, before Tom speaks and shares, uh, his son Kale is going to do the reading. And uh, I would love for you guys to stand for the reading of God's word. So it starts with Proverbs 20.10. Differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. And then the next verse, uh, Proverbs 20, verse 23. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest skills do not please him. All right. Thank you, Kale. Thank you, Kale. Everybody can hear me? All right. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat. It is good to be here with you. Good morning to uh, everyone. As Chris said, my name's Tom. I'm one of the elders and board members here, and I'm excited to be uh, continuing with all of you through our series in the book of Proverbs. So for those who uh, may not be aware, we as a church have been going through the book of Proverbs one chapter a day throughout the month of uh, August, and each week what we talk about here <clears throat> is something that you're going to encounter in this upcoming week's reading. So it is my honor to be talking to you about what we're going to find in chapters 20 through 26 since we are at August 20th. So now that we are about two-thirds of the way through the book, if you've been able to follow along, and I hope you have, if you've been able to follow along, you might notice by now that Proverbs is uh, unlike a lot of other books. Right? It is not a continuous story uh, following people through a period of time. It is not... Um, <clears throat> a letter written to a person or a church to correct them or encourage them. It is not a uh, book of prophecies. It's not a book of songs of praise. It's kind of unique in that it is a seemingly randomly organized grouping of wise sayings. Right? You've probably noticed many different topics. But what these are, these are the sayings of King Solomon. And King Solomon, uh, for those unaware, is the son of King David, who you will undoubtedly remember from the David and Goliath incident. So after David became king of Israel, and he, you know, after he died, his son Solomon took over. And when Solomon became king, he did one really important thing. All right, he went to God, and he prayed, and he asked him for wisdom to lead his people. Uh, this is found in 1 Kings chapter 3, if you want to look it up. But Solomon asked for wisdom to lead his people. And God was so pleased with him that he asked for wisdom to lead his people, and not for riches or glory or power for himself, that God granted him this wisdom. And at that time, Solomon was known far and wide for his wisdom on a great number uh, of topics. So what we're really reading in Proverbs is God's wisdom granted to King Solomon at his request. So that's why we're, we're going through these. But, you know, because it is a simple, uh, sorry, a, a random uh, organization of wise sayings, it's hard to focus on each and every one of them. All right, even though they're all equally important. So each week we just got to pick something that we want to focus on. So for this next section, what I want to focus on with you is God's call for consistency. All right? It's going to be God's call for consistency. And upon seeing this, I'm sure everyone is super excited because there's nothing more exciting to talk about after you've gotten up early, gotten the kids ready, gotten out here, than to talk about being consistent. All right? It's a super sexy topic, and I'm sure you're all thrilled to see what comes. But uh, as boring as that may sound, honestly, I promise it does have important implications for our life. So if you could walk through this with me, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, God's call for consistency is found in our key text that Kale just 
just read for us, and thank you, Kale. So we, just to reiterate, uh, Proverbs 20.10 states, differing weights and differing measures. The Lord detests them both. And then in verse 23, the Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. And so at first uh, glance, these verses may seem pretty simple, uh, maybe even mundane compared to what's around them. But I, I'll suggest to you that <clears throat> These verses and some of the supporting ones in our section have wide-ranging implications for our lives. And I would further suggest that these uh, verses may be a bit convicting for us. All right? uh, they may be, because if we're going to talk about God's call for consistency, then we're going to have to deal with our own inconsistency, all right? even our own hypocrisy. And that's not going to be too much fun, to be honest. All right? It might get a little uncomfortable. All right? It might make us think about the way that we view things, the way that we judge others, all right? and, and the way that we judge ourselves. All right? And that may not be entirely comfortable, and there may come a point during this talk where you're kind of getting offended, and you're saying, you know, what, you know, what's he doing? He's calling me out. He's making me seem like a hypocrite. And I will tell you that you are right. I am, all right? But, but don't worry. It's all of us, all right? I'm calling out all of us, myself, you know, included, because we're all part of the big all, all right? The big all from Romans 3.23, where it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all right? It's not just Rigo. It's all of us, all right? So, <clears throat> so just, just know that. Just know that we're all in this, in this one together. All right, so getting back to our key, our key text from Proverbs, the most literal translation of these verses uh, uh, pretty much applies to being honest in our, our dealings with people, kind of like business transactions, all right? Um, God is telling us not to cheat, you know, not to be dishonest. He doesn't want us to be like that uh, big brother who splits the last piece of cake, right? Anyone ever come across this if you have a sibling? You know, at some point in your lives, there was one piece of cake left and both of you wanted it, right? And your parents didn't really want to deal with it, so they just said, you know, split it in half and share it with each other. And if they weren't watching, you know that bigger sibling was going to come in and split that piece of cake and all of a sudden half turns into about 70-30, right? And he takes the bigger part and is like, oh, this is my half, right? So he, God's telling us, don't be dishonest to favor yourself in these dealings, all right? And the, the language that he uses here is actually pretty specific to um, the method of measuring goods for the purposes of commerce, all right? And so back then, you know, in, that, in those times, kind of like today, Merchants would use scales to determine how much uh, of uh, you know, the goods were to be bought and sold. And basically, they would have their scale, and they would have a stone that was a certain weight to sort of be standardized, and you would have to pretty much put up as much product as that stone weighed on the other side to equal out the transactions. And this is just a picture of some ancient Judean weighing stones. So this is kind of what they would have at the time. They'd be inscribed and say, all right, this one represents a shekel. So you put a shekel worth weight on one side, and they got to put a shekel worth of product on the other side to make it even. All right, so that's how it was supposed to go. However, however, not every merchant was honest, as you might imagine. Right? Some of them had a separate buying stone and a selling stone. Right, so the buying stone was heavier. So you'd put that on the scale so you would get more from uh, whoever you were dealing with for the agreed upon weight. And the selling stone was lighter. So you would have to give up less, meet a lesser standard for what you were going to sell, give away less of your stuff. So they had the buying stone and selling stone. So it would kind of work like this. I happen to have brought a buying stone and a selling stone with me today. 
So let's say you were a merchant at the time, and you said, all right, I'm going to buy five pounds of flour from you for 10 bucks. All right, let's just pretend at the time they used pounds and bucks as their measurement. So he said, I'm going to buy five pounds of flour for you for 10 bucks. So he breaks out the buying stone, right? He's like, yeah, this is my five pounds right here. So he puts the big heavy weight on there, and that guy's got to just pile weight upon weight of flour just to meet, the, to meet this. So he gets more. He holds that person to a higher standard for the agreed-upon amount using the buying stone. <clears throat> right. Now let's say that merchant also sells things. And he says, all right, I will sell you five pounds of rice for 10 bucks. All right. So then in that case, he breaks out the selling stone. All right. He's like, all right, this is, my five, this is my five pound weight right here. So he puts this on the scale. He's only got to sprinkle a little bit of rice on there to equal it out. He requires less of himself. He holds himself to a lesser standard to meet that deal. So that's the buying stone and the selling stone. <clears throat> That's an important concept. And God says he detests this. All right? He detests the dishonesty in dealing. All right? He detests you know, tipping the scales and favoring things for yourself in the transaction. All right? <clears throat> but this doesn't just apply to business transactions or sharing cake with your little brother. All right? God is saying here that he detests all forms of differing measures. All right? all ways in which we judge ourselves differently uh, from others and fall into hypocrisy. He detests all the ways that we apply a different standard to one person or group than we do to another person or group to serve our own purposes. So in short, you could apply these verses to mean that God detests double standards in all aspects of our lives. All right, and I'll say it again. God detests double standards in all aspects of our lives. And there are some versions of these verses that use that exact terminology. So if we looked at the uh, New Living Translation um, of these verses that we read, our key verses, chapter 2010 reads, false weights and unequal measures. The Lord detests double standards of every kind. And in verse 23, it reads similarly, the Lord detests double standards. He is not pleased by dishonest scales. Right? It says he detests them. Strong language, pretty clear language, all right? So that's sort of illustration of the concept, illustration of the concept. So now, how does that actually apply? How does that apply to our lives? How does it manifest in ourselves apart from business dealings, of course, all right? I would suggest that there are going to be two main ways, all right, two main ways to look at in which we are frequently guilty of using different measures and dishonest scales in our daily lives, all right, so the two ways that I want to talk about, the first way that the hypocrisy of double standards manifests itself is that by using different weights to measure yourself versus others. All right, so this is a me versus others, me versus you sort of thing. All right, so think about how you apply different standards to others than you do to yourself. All right, think about are you, are you judging them with the buying stone? All right, holding them to that high standard while judging yourself with the selling stone, all right, the little standard. All right, and this discrepancy is based, I think, at least in part, on our natural tendency to not want to be treated equally. All right, we may say that we want to be treated equally, but you know, part of our selfish nature compels us to want preferential treatment for ourselves. And there's probably some people out there right now with guards up thinking, oh, no, no, not me. I want to be treated the same as everybody else. No preferential treatment. I get it, all right, but it's not you, all right? It's all of us. So if you think about it, just a couple examples. If you uh, see a huge line, like a huge line for something you want to get to, say it's at an amusement park, right? 
you don't want to wait in that line just because everybody else has to, all right? You want to do what you can to avoid that line, all right? Maybe you get a fast pass, all right? Maybe you exaggerate your medical condition so you can get a medical pass and go up in front of the line, right? Maybe you bring a family member with a medical condition and you can go to the front of the line. Whatever the case may be, you don't care that everybody else has to wait on it. You just don't want to wait on it. All right, so just some other examples, totally hypothetical, random example that applies to nobody here. Um, let's say you know a doctor, all right? Let's just say, you know, theoretically spitballing, you know a doctor, maybe, I don't know, randomly, from church. You know a doctor from church, all right? So <clears throat> let's say you know a doctor and you need that doctor's medical attention, all right? Are you going to call the office, go through all the prompts, get somebody, make an appointment for four weeks down the road, wait for that appointment, <laughs> and then do what everybody else has to do? No, right? You're going to text that doctor. You're going to call that doctor. You may randomly come up to that doctor in church and say, hey, I got this problem. Can you get me in? Right? We all do it. We all do it. So if you have connections or you can maybe get something for free or less, you're not going to care that everybody else had to pay for it. All right? You're going to get that for yourself. So that just to say, we're all okay with a little preferential treatment for ourselves. Comes naturally to us. And, and as such, we can get comfortable applying a different standard to ourselves than we do for others. And while these examples I mentioned are, are, are relatively harmless, all right, it can creep into various aspects of our lives. We can hold the rest of the world to certain standards of behavior, but when it comes to ourselves, right, what do we do? You know, we break out that selling stone, all right, and we say, you know, I'm not that, that bad. You know, it's close enough. I may mess up, but overall I'm good. You know, I'm still kind of meeting this, so, you know, I'm okay coming up a little bit short here, you know, judging by this. But, you know, I'm still going to make sure I hold everybody else to the highest standard and make my voice heard when I think they're messing up. All right, so, so for instance, for instance, let's say you, you're going to say, I'm going to condemn pornography. Right? I'm going to condemn it in no uncertain terms. Right? I'm going to break out that buying stone standard. I'm going to tell you how it's sinful, how it's degrading, how it destroys your relationships. But it's not a big deal if I sneak a peek here or there. Right? Almost everybody does it. Nobody has to know. I won't really do it that much, just here or there, you know, so I'm good. You break out that selling stone. Different weights and different measures. All right? Or how about in your marriage? Now, for you married people, how about in your marriage? Are you holding your spouse to a certain standard and letting yourself slide on the very same? Right? Do you want them to be romantic and thoughtful and proactive about spending time with you, doing things for you, planning date nights, taking care of tasks, doing all the stuff that you see on the TV shows, but you don't expect that from yourself? All right. Maybe you think you deserve that stuff to be done for you a little more. Maybe you convince yourself, I do a lot, I'm tired. Whatever I'm giving should be enough. All right. They should be happy with that. But you're still disappointed with them, and you're holding it against them when they're not measuring up to your high standards. Meanwhile, you're not sweating the fact that you aren't either. All right. So are you using the buying stone and the selling stone in that situation? <clears throat> and for our single people, for our single people out there, you're not off the hook. All right, for our single people, do you give lip service to things like avoiding sexual immorality? All right, are you going to proudly state the right things to your friends or online or in your life groups? Or if you're single in your youth group or your young adults meeting, are you going to say the right things, hold to that right standard? But then when you're alone with your boyfriend and girlfriend, boyfriend or girlfriend, let's make that clear, not and, boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, do you break out the selling stone? 
right? Do you say, yeah, you know, it's really not that bad. You know, we love each other. Everyone does it anyway. All right, nobody has to know. We're otherwise good, so it's all right. All right, differing weights and differing measures. So whatever the case may be, God detests the double standards that we use. And don't think that if I didn't mention your particular area here, that you're off the hook, right? We don't have time to get into everything. But just because I didn't mention addiction or anger or unforgiveness or lack of self-control, don't think that you slide on this one, because you don't, all right? We only have so much of time here, but know that we all fall into the trap of using double standards, all right? It's not just me and Frank, all right? We all do it. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. So... <laughs> So the thing is, God doesn't just gently recommend against this, right? It wasn't unclear or soft language, right? Proverbs says he detests this, all right? But in our selfish nature, it's all too easy to let this slip in when we're judging ourselves compared to others, to slip into that hypocrisy and not live up to what we claim to. And so the danger is that since we become comfortable holding ourselves to this lesser standard, we make it easier on ourselves to continue in these ways, all right, to remain in our sin and our hypocrisy, to continue using that different standard so that we remain more comfortable with what we're doing. Because no matter how wrong we may actually be, everyone likes to think that they're generally doing right or generally doing okay or at least not that bad. But despite what we like to tell ourselves, Proverbs 21 really tells us the truth of it. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app and you want to swipe there, it's going to be up on the screen as well. We're going to look at Proverbs 21, verse 2, which states, A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. All right, we all like to think our ways are right. We all like to be comfortable in our own righteousness, but the Lord weighs the heart. And the thing is here, we need to be using his weights and his measures, which don't change, unlike ours, which are too often and too easily manipulated to fit our desires or our purposes in that moment. So God doesn't have a separate buying stone and a selling stone to measure us, all right? His weights and measures don't change. <clears throat> so those are just some of the examples of how we use differing weights and dishonest scales in our daily lives when it comes to ourselves versus others, leading us into hypocrisy. And the other way, the other way that I think that we frequently do this, the other way that we let the that hypocrisy of double standards manifest itself in our lives is that we have different scales for groups of people you like versus groups you don't. All right, different scales for groups you like versus groups you don't. And this one might be even harder to swallow because I'm sure as a matter of pride, everybody thinks that we treat everyone equally. All right, but I want you to consider a few examples. A few examples. For instance, do you condemn the actions of other people, of other people out there, that lead to the, the, the destruction of their relationships? Be it sexual immorality, uh, infidelity, whatever the case may be, that stuff that's all around it. Uh, do you condemn it and are you outraged by it? But when your best friend is engaged in the same activity, do you justify it? All right. Do you say, you know, that wasn't really a good marriage or a good relationship anyway. All right. Their partner or spouse made it really tough. You know, I can't hold it against them. Still my boy. All right. Why does one person get the buying stone and one person gets the selling stone? All right. The differing weights and measures that we use. 
And how about as well your outlook on the treatment of other people? Not yourself, but the treatment of other people. Are you rightly opposed to discrimination against a group of people based on their characteristics, be it race, religion, etc.? Right, for instance, are you opposed to the type of discrimination that black Americans have had to face uh, throughout our history, being denied educational opportunities, housing opportunities, employment opportunities, because of their race? Right, I think, and I would hope, but I'm, I would think that everyone would say this is a no-brainer. Of course, absolutely, I'm against this. Right, I'm against discrimination. God is. We should be too. And I think that standard we would set would be that buying stone, that high standard, which would state that this always has been and always will be wrong. All right, I feel pretty comfortable that most people are on board with that. But if you're being honest with yourself and really honest, do you sometimes apply that standard differently to different groups? For instance, like we just established, you know, do you firmly believe that people shouldn't be denied educational opportunities because of their race? I think we'd firmly believe that. But then when you read that top universities are denying admissions to certain groups based on race, are you cool with it? You know, these universities that say, all right, we don't want too many Asian kids. Are you cool with it? Do you say, you know, I kind of like why the universities do that, you know, so those Asian kids can go find someplace else to go to school. All right, are you using different weights and measures to judge that? Or, <clears throat> all right, I can bring it a little closer to home. A little closer to home. So are you opposed to denying certain people groups housing opportunities like we just said we were? But then when members of the Orthodox Jewish population from Lakewood want to move into your area, do alarms go off? Or do you say, hey, hey, you know, let's pump the brakes here. Let's hope the town passes some ordinances against houses of worship and whatnot so that makes it harder for them to move into this area. All right? You know, are you using a different standard for one group than the other? And apart from how groups are treated, apart from you look at how groups are treated, do you have different scales to, for judging the actions of different groups. You know, maybe you're judging differently the actions of a group you like versus similar actions from a group that you don't like or you don't like as much, all right? Now, maybe it's members of your chosen tribe, be it political or otherwise, versus members of the other one that you don't really like, all right? So, for instance, do you rightly get upset when one group with whom you disagree engages in violence and destruction? Right, do you rush to social media and shout your condemnation of it? Tell everyone you can, everyone who will listen how terrible it is. But when a group that you do agree with or a group that you do identify with engages in violence and destruction, do you justify it? Right? Do you say, yeah, they have their reasons, you know, they kind of think like me, I can't hold it against them. Right? Do you maybe go further and loudly support it using one standard for one, and one for the other. So you gotta ask yourself why. Why does one group get measured with the buying stone and another get measured with the selling stone? Right, is it to keep you comfortable in your friend group or your chosen tribe with your common ideology where you feel safe? And if so, you know, why do you feel the need to support that person or your tribe even at the cost of your own hypocrisy? Right, to the point where you use different weights and different measures to judge them. Why do you allow yourself to show partiality and judgment based on, not on their actions, but on the characteristics of the person or group? All right. And in case you've come to a point where you're, even where you recognize that, but you justify that partiality, saying, you know, I know it's uneven, but I have my reasons, and I think they're good reasons, I want to let you know that God specifically speaks against this in Proverbs 24. 
So if you have your Bible apps out still and you want to swipe to Proverbs 24, we're going to be looking at verses 23 through 25. So starting in verse 23 of Proverbs 24, it says, These are also sayings of the wise. To show partiality in judging is not good. Pretty simple language there. It's not good. Don't do it. All right? But continuing in verse 24, Whoever says to the guilty, you are innocent, will be cursed by peoples and denounced by nations. But it will go well with those who convict the guilty, and rich blessing will come on them. God's saying pretty clearly, he doesn't want you to show partiality in judgment. He doesn't want you measuring some of his children with the buying stone and measuring some of his children with the selling stone. He doesn't want you treating some worse than others because they may be in what you have designated you know, by your own standards, by your own weights and measures, and your own righteousness to be the lesser group as opposed to your preferred group. But despite how you have characterized them in your own righteousness, you should know and you should remember that they're all his. They're all his. All right. So that is uh, just illustrated in our last verse of the day, Proverbs 22.2. So if you can turn to Proverbs 22.2, it reads as follows. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is maker of them all. And this can be used not just for rich and poor, but for any group, any way that we want to separate people into two. Rich and poor, God is the maker of them all. All right? Democrat and Republican, God is the maker of them all. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, or other, God is the maker of them all. Giants fans and Eagles fans. I know. I know. I was surprised to find this out too. God is the maker of them all. All right. <laughs> but so that group you like and support and identify with and that group you condemn, God is the maker of them all. He's the same God for you as he is for me. All right. He's the same God for those you like versus those you don't. His weights and measures don't change for you or for me or us versus them. All right. And he's saying neither should ours. All right. Neither should ours. The Lord detests double standards of all kinds, of all kinds. All right, so those are our two main ways that that creeps in. And one other thing, just before we wrap up, one thing that I want you to consider is aside from these pitfalls that we have just gone through, uh, you know, the things we've discussed that, you know, affect, uh, show how our, our hypocrisy affects us, you have to think about how our hypocrisy will affect the world around us. Right? Not only does it you know, affect us by making it easier for us to remain in our sin and to unfairly judge others, it's a poor example for others as to what it's like to live a life in Christ. And I just want you to consider for a minute this quote by Christian author Brennan Manning. We're going to have it up on the screen there. <clears throat> Brennan Manning wrote, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. So I'm not sure if this is the single greatest cause of atheism, but I think we can all agree that it certainly doesn't help. It certainly doesn't help. And I'm sure we've all known someone who has cited the hypocrisy and behavior of those inside the church as the reason uh, to why they are outside of it. So for many reasons, for this and many reasons, God detests differing weights and measures. He hates the double standards we use to justify our own behavior, 
to remain in our sin and not feel bad about it, to judge others according to our own hierarchy of their value. Right? He detests it. Right? That's what Proverbs teaches us in this section. And so I know this may not been the most comfortable message to sit through, to listen to, right? I know this because I have personally been guilty of several of the examples that I used in today's message. Like I said, it's not just me and Frank. I've personally been guilty of it. All right, so I want to thank you for walking through this with me. And honestly, if you feel offended by anything that I brought up today, I'm glad to talk with you about it, Alfred. Please just come up to me. But as we conclude, I just want to leave you with one reflection point, all right, and one action step to consider. So while we do that, if the band can um, start making their way up, the one reflection point that I want us to consider is that the root of our hypocrisy and unequal judgment is self-righteousness. And we all, we all have the capacity to be self-righteous. So that belief that we are the ultimate authority, the ultimate judges, and that our standards in a given situation are really what matters, that allows us to move the goalposts as we see fit, right? to not anchor our evaluations of ourselves and others according to the Lord, who is the one who judges the heart. It allows us to continue to tell ourselves that we're doing good enough in our own eyes to use that selling stone to judge ourselves and feel better about our sin and hypocrisy, therefore remaining in it. So I tell you as we reflect on that, that the best way to avoid this, this hypocrisy of using different weights and measures, is to use God's and not your own, to be like Solomon, to seek his wisdom, seek his righteousness, and not our own. So I just want us to think about that as, as we get ready to leave today. And then the action step. There's just one. There's just one action step, and it's simple, but it's not easy. And that action step is to get really honest with yourself. I mean really honest with yourself about the differing weights and the dishonest scales that you use. I encourage you to take a good, hard look at where you're guilty of using different weights and measures for yourself versus others and for others you like versus others you don't. I'm telling you, we will all find something, all right? It's not just me and Chris. We will all find something. I may not have mentioned your particular area, but we'll all find it. I, I encourage you to pray to God for, to change your dishonest scales. Pray for him to bring about that change in your heart, whether it be convicting you of where you need to more honestly evaluate yourself or convicting you about how you view uh, others. All right? And that may not be fun. You may have to acknowledge some things about yourself that you're not particularly proud of. But I'm telling you, it's what God calls us to do. And if, you, if we're able to do so, I think it'll provide us a healthier, more fulfilling, more honest, personal relationship with God. It'll provide a better example for those around us. And it will bring our heart for others closer or more in line with that of God's. And ultimately, seeking a heart like God's is what we're after. So I want to thank you again for walking through this with me today. Thank you for letting me share the word with you this morning. God bless.